Living Life Without Regrets, next on Abounding Grace. One day, those of you who are living for the world, one day you're going to get it, you're going to look back, and you're going to regret it. I promise you. You'll regret it. You waste a year, you'll regret it. You waste five years, you waste your life. Why not start today to live a life lacking regret? Sell out your life to Jesus. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Great to have you with us for Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor is about to continue our new series on the Holy Spirit. There's a great deal of confusion today, even in the church, about the Holy Spirit. Is he just some impersonal force or is he actually a person? Today, we'll set out to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? We'll meet you in 1 Corinthians 12. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul warns the church in Corinth And he warns us, don't be ignorant concerning spiritual things. Understand spiritual things, understand the gifts, understand the manifestations, understand the diversities, understand the differences. He says very clearly in verse 1, now concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to lack knowledge. I don't want you not to understand. I don't want you not to recognize the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not God's heart for us to not know about his spirit. Not a mystery. The spirit isn't some mysterious person that we hope we can figure out, but that God's just going to show us. Here's what, here is my spirit. I want you to know him. I want you to embrace the work of the spirit. You know, I want you to yield to the work of the spirit. I want you to exercise the gifts of the spirit. Be open and ready. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5, listen, Paul wrote to the Roman church and he said, for those who live, and this could be just like a warning right now to you, those that are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's the direction you're taking right now. You want to live in the flesh? Then your mind's going to be overcome by the things of the flesh, the humanity, the human realm, your old sinful habit patterns, you know, the ones that you wanted to get away from, the ones that you've been delivered from, and yet the ones that continue to dog you. You set your mind on that area, then you're just going to keep being in the flesh. You're going to keep thinking about the flesh. You're going to keep being in the flesh. You're going to keep, it's never ending. Buried by the work of the flesh. But those, he says, that live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. As we set our minds on the things of the Spirit tonight, you're going to find a desire to walk in the Spirit. You're going to find a desire pop up of wanting to know the Spirit, wanting to understand. The Bible says that to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, not bondage. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. No longer bound by our thought patterns, no longer bound by addictions, no longer bound by feelings of hopelessness and helplessness. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you're free from that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you are free to obey now, to make good decisions that will bring great fruit in your life, great benefit to those around you. The law of the Spirit of Jesus Christ has made me free. Made you free as well. Free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from fear and anxiety. Now in the Spirit, you have the freedom to overcome those things. Not in your own strength. You've tried it before. You're battling anxiety by trying to positive think your way through it. I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious. Who am I kidding? I'm anxious. And yet you turn your life toward, you know, Lord, your Bible says to be anxious for nothing. But in everything that's going on in my life, to come to you in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, just to make my request be made known to you. So, you know, God, I'm doing that today. You know my anxious heart. You know my anxious feelings. You know what's happening in my life. You know what I'm facing. You know what's around the corner. You know that appointment. You know that date. You know that. All of these things are overwhelming me, Lord. I I can't handle it. I can't think my way out of it. I can't figure my way out of it. But I obey your word. And even as you begin to turn your heart toward the Lord, the anxiety begins to lift. Trust begins to be built. Why? Because of the Spirit of God in your life. There's freedom from those things. Free from a bondage of the law. Free from the condemnation. Free to soar in the life that you have in the Lord. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. As a pastor, I don't want you to be ignorant. We're taking our time here. I want you to know the power, the presence of the Spirit in your life. Whatever endeavor is on your mind right now, whatever desire you have, without the Holy Spirit, it's not going to happen according to the will of the Lord. So often we mistake our own desires and fulfilling our own desires with the will of God. And because we have figured it out and because we've attained what we desired, we just automatically, well, that's from the Lord. Not always. Not always is it from God. Sometimes it's just your flesh. It's just your humanity. You've gone so far and you haven't gone into the spiritual realm yet. You've taken what we saw this last weekend. You settle for second best. You don't want to go across the Jordan because that would require faith. You'd have to step into the waters, the rushing, overflowing floodwaters of the Jordan because the promised land's right on the other side. And like Reuben and Gad, they decided... We don't want to go in. We'll go fight with you. We'll go do our duty, but we want to come back. We don't want to live in the promises of God, which makes absolutely no sense because they got to go in and do all the work, do all the fighting. They're going to cross. They see the miraculous. God, even in his grace, in his grace, let them go into the promised land to fight and to battle. They were there. And after tasting of the promise, they go back and settle for the other side. And I find so many Christians settling for second best, calling it God's will. For low living, a style of living that is so far below 
the heights and the desires of God for your life. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual things. And I agree with him. I don't want us to be ignorant. Jesus, when he was teaching, made it abundantly clear that your problem and mine, that man's problem is not what's outside of him, but it's within him. So opposite of the way the world operates. The world is always, always trying to change the outward. That's kind of slipped into the church as well. Change the outward, change the outward, change the behavior, change everything about the person, what they look like, what they do, what they say. Jesus said, your problem's not outward, your problem's inward. Listen to this, you can jot it down in Mark chapter 7. Jesus said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. It's from within, he said. For within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye. An evil eye. (laughs) You know where that comes from? Inside. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Jesus said all these evil things come from within and defile a man. It's an inside job. The issues in our lives is an inside job. That's why it is fruitless. It is simply impossible to change a person on the inside by simply changing the outside. Some theories today of how to help people change their behavior is change their environment, put them in a new environment. Take them, lift them up, put them in a new environment because a new environment for sure will aid them in changing what's going on inside or improve their economic condition. Give them more money. Give them more resources. That surely will change them on the inside. Those outside changes will not save man's basic problem. Man's basic problem is sin. And the forgiveness of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ is what will change a man inside. And once a man and once a woman is changed on the inside, the outside is just a short time away. You can dress up on the outside a person and make them look like a follower of Jesus, make them sound like a follower of Jesus, make them toe some spiritual line, follow some list of rules and regulations, and you still have a lost person dealing with the inside problem of being disconnected from God. Jesus always goes to the heart of the matter. The way that he goes to the heart of the matter is by the work of the Holy Spirit. Turn over to John chapter 16. I know we're in 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be moving around. Let's look at John 16 for a moment and see the work of the Spirit. I want you to know right away that the Spirit of God is not an it or a force Some people liken the Holy Spirit to lightning. And God just sends out his Holy Spirit when he wants to from his finger that was painted on that Sistine Chapel where, you know, that's God. Like Like a comic book. It's not true. Jehovah Witnesses will come to your door and say such things. As you introduce them to the person of the Holy Spirit, oh, no, no, the Spirit's not a person. The Spirit is an it, a force. Like Star Wars, the force be with you. Not so. 
The Holy Spirit is a person sent by Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God. Verse 1, chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you, this is John's gospel, that you should not be made to stumble. They're going to put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they'll do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. We already know this happened. Saul of Tarsus, that's what he was doing, remember? That's, that's exactly what he was doing. Because they were following Jesus, Saul came after him. I want you to know the same thing is going to happen to you. The pressure upon believers in our own society or in a, in a country, when I'm listening to, to, to hearing the description of York, some of the greatest works of God came to us from England. Some of the greatest evangelists, the greatest preachers, just a few hundred years ago, it's an empty country now need of missionary. They were sending out missionaries, now we're sending missionaries to them. Sound familiar? In our own country, where in general, and please take this to heart for your own life, just do a heart check real quick, where the church is just playing games in our country, just goofing off, just gathering together, you know, a little holy huddle, and let's come together and have some fun, and and, and let, let's leave and, and feel real good about, I don't feel so bad anymore. You know, the guy made me laugh. And, and, and it's good. We open the Bible, but you walk right out. And within seconds, you're living right back in the world for the world. What's that going to do? It's going to end. One day, those of you who are living for the world, one day you're going to get it. You're going to look back and you're going to regret it. I promise you. You'll regret it. You waste a year, you'll regret it. You waste five years. You waste your life. Why not start today to live a life lacking regret? Sell out your life to Jesus. Come to that place where you realize, is it going to take persecution? Because if it's going to take persecution, guess what God will give you and allow in your life? Heavy duty persecution. So you could cry out to him. That's how the church had to leave Jerusalem as we're studying through the book of Acts. They were so comfortable with God was doing great things. They became too comfortable. Boom. He shook them up a little bit. This could happen to us. He says in verse 4, but these things I told you that when the time comes, you will remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go to wait to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And that's always the right way, to, on a side note here, that's always the right way to counsel someone that's in overcome with sorrow. Tell them the truth. Just pour the truth into them. The hope of God, the strength of the... Just tell them the truth. Don't be sidetracked by the pain. Acknowledge the hurt and the pain in your life and then just tell them the truth. That's what Jesus did. You guys are so full of sorrow, that's why I'm telling you the truth. Because the truth is going to rescue you. The truth is going to help you persevere. The truth is going to help you see this sorrow in light of eternity. That it's just a light affliction. It's just for a moment. But in that light affliction, it, it weighs such a greater glory to come. I love that about Jesus. He never shied away from telling the truth. Even in the midst of sorrow. 
I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage, he says in verse 7, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, you might want to circle that word, helper. In the old King James, it's the word comforter. They translated comforter. In the Greek, the the language that the New Testament is written in, it's the Greek word para, P-A-R-A, kletos, C-L-E-T-O-S. It means a comforter that comes alongside or someone that comes alongside. He's going to send, Jesus said, someone to come alongside. He's going to come to you. But if I depart, if I don't go away, he's not going to come. But if I do depart at the end of verse 7, I'll send him to you. And when he has come, he'll convict the world of sin. That's how you got saved. The conviction of sin. When you were convicted of sin, you repented from it and called upon the name of the Lord. You were saved. I was saved because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Conviction of righteousness, the ability to see your own sin in light of the righteousness of God. You know how you came to that conclusion? The same way I did, the Spirit of God. The Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. When you began to realize that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was the judgment for your sin and mine, you came to that conclusion by the Holy Spirit. You didn't just figure it out. The Holy Spirit brought it to light in your life. He brought it to understanding so that you could act upon it. And even though there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit, there shouldn't be. And hopefully I'll clear some of that up for you tonight. You ready? Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. We see the Holy Spirit possessing the attributes of a person. The first one we see is the Holy Spirit has intelligence. The Holy Spirit is intelligent. Jot this down, I'll read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit knows. Why? Because the Spirit possesses intelligence. He's intelligent. He's smart. He knows things. Secondly, the Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Let me get there with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. And for our time tonight, I'm going to walk you through all the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Or most of them, not all of them. Most of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit possesses a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, notice, as he wills. The Holy Spirit has a will. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit possesses emotions. Emotions. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Did you know that? You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. The Bible very clearly says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Your life and my life, we start messing around, we backslide, we get into stuff. You can bring grief and sorrow to the Spirit of God over you and to you. It literally means to make the Spirit, to make him sad and sorrowful over your life. That he grieves over you. 
When we allow bitterness to poison our hearts, when we believe gossip and slander, when we think evil of someone without going to them and asking them, uh, you can go on and on. It's grieving. It's grieving to us. How much more so is it grieving to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. Quenched. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, it just says straight up, don't quench the Spirit. The idea behind this quenching the Spirit is we think of a raging fire being put out. You think of a, a large bomb fire and then, and then a helicopter comes with a big bucket of water and boom, it's just gone. It was fiery and, and hot and warm and exciting one moment and then boom, it's gone, quenched. Unbelief will hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It'll quench. Lacking faith in our lives, not coming to him, will quench the move of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, that a prophet's not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, in his own house. And then it says something very interesting. It says, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Why? Because they lacked faith. They didn't trust him. They didn't want him there. And the work of the Spirit through Jesus was quenched. The Holy Spirit can also be resisted. Acts chapter 5, verse, excuse me, Acts chapter 7, verse 51 you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Stephen's strong message. That must have been hard. That flipped them out. They got really upset. You calling us? You're calling, we're killing you. We're so in tune with the Lord. You're dead, man. (laughs) It's like, wow, how far they were. Resisting. The Holy Spirit sent Stephen, empowered Stephen, gave Stephen the words to share the gospel with them and their reward. They killed him, took him out. They resisted the work of the Spirit. How many times has God sent somebody to you and you resisted that message? How many times have you heard a song and you know what the lyrics are and you turn it off because you don't want to hear it? How many times has somebody come? At, you're like you've tried to pull away from everyone and just people pop up all over the place. They're just all over you. You're like, oh, I'm going to go to a Walmart across town. And bam, there's your friend. How you doing? Like, hee-haw. Hello. Like, what are you doing here? Leave me alone. It's the Spirit of God chasing after you. Like, you're running, running, running. You're like, you can outrun God. You're not going to outrun God. You know, people, people showing up all over the place. There's going to be a flyer on your door. Hey, come back to church. Hey, you know, come to Calvary Chapel. And you're like, yeah, I haven't been there. How did somebody know I left Calvary Chapel? The Holy Spirit knows. And all you keep doing is resisting. Now, of course, for those of you that are here, there's not a resistance. But knowing this message is going out. There's a lot of people that were here and no longer here. They're resisting the Spirit of God. Not living for the things of God. We're enjoying a study of the Holy Spirit here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher on the program. You can request today's message or the complete set of studies in our series by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 
304-7223. Or if it's easier, drop by calvaryaurora.org where you can listen online for free. Abounding Grace is listener-supported. Every gift plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Gene Edwards' book, The Prisoner in the Third Cell. When we go through difficult times, questions tend to surface, like, why would God allow this? No doubt John the Baptist had a few questions of his own as he was unjustly imprisoned by Herod. You'll look beyond the seemingly unfair circumstances to God's heart and purposes. It'll serve to help you navigate through the trials of life with the right perspective. So request a copy of The Prisoner in the Third Cell as you call us at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. And please remember, your financial support is not only needed at this time, but will be put to good use, helping people all across the nation learn about and grow by God's abounding grace. There are a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that you add to your mobile device. They're the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. This is a great way to listen and learn on the go. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the study on the Holy Spirit next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.